Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Planets, stars, distant galaxies, nebula, meteors, comets, and everything in between. This is Good Heavens, a podcast about the cosmos and the glory of God, with Wayne and Dan. By now, you have probably heard of SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. SETI actually became a private organization in Mountain View, California, founded in 1984 by Tom Pearson and astronomer Jill Tarter. Jill Tarter is the person after whom the Jodie Foster character in Carl Sagan's film Contact was modeled. And in the nearly four decades since SETI's founding, there has not yet been any evidence discovered of extraterrestrial intelligence. SETI researchers will tell you, though, that they have only searched but a small sliver of the vast universe. SETI's radio telescope arrays are in search of radio signals from distant worlds, perhaps emitting mathematical patterns that are being sent via radio waves. But the deep irony is that right within each one of our bodies is a living code far more ingenious and complex than any simple radio signal or pattern. Yet somehow, our DNA is dismissed as just a mere unintended biological fluke of nature. The even deeper irony is that back in the early 1970s, when we broadcast a signal from the now-defunct Arecibo Radio Telescope, to the globular cluster of stars known as the Hercules Cluster in Messier 13, we sent along an image of our DNA as a sign of intelligent life. So is DNA a sign of intelligent life or just an accidental byproduct of nature? As the prophet Daniel said in a prayer of confession and repentance, quote, to us belongs confusion of face, end quote. And in the midst of our societal confusion about what constitutes life and intelligence, on the opposite end of the extraterrestrial spectrum exists a worldwide phenomenon of alien abduction stories. Many of these stories have eerily similar characteristics of kind and type that transcend times, places, and cultures. Many of these instances are documented by UFO researcher Gary Bates in his detailed examination of alien phenomena in his book, alien intrusion. From Charles Darwin through the modern fascination with extraterrestrial intelligence, there is a common theme, an anti-theistic account of creation and a contempt toward God and his existence. Darwin denigrated the idea of God as creator, and many victims who recount their alien abduction stories speak of how they palpably experienced and felt the presence of an insidious evil. 
Bates chronicles how the name of Jesus, spoken by some of these victims, often dispelled these alleged alien encounters. On part two of our discussion about the origin of life, evolution, and extraterrestrials, Wayne and I briefly discussed some of Gary's book and about what exactly counts as evidence for intelligent life. As Christians, we are exhorted by Scripture that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Satan prowls around our planet like a roaring lion, who can also, at any time, transform himself into an angel of light. We must be firm in our convictions, not only understanding the Scriptures properly, but understanding creation in light of the Scriptures. We must put on the full armor of God and trust in Christ alone for our salvation from sin, evil, and the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. It is a timeless truth. The cosmos and all it contains are God's handiwork. Earth is center stage of our cosmic drama because this is where God became a man in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who lived with us and still lives with us by his Spirit. Here on this planet, Jesus died and rose again, not on Mars or Venus or any other exoplanet known or unknown to us. It is here on Earth where the good news of the forgiveness of our sin was first proclaimed and is still being proclaimed. It is upon this terrestrial stage where Jesus is presently preparing all of us for the world to come for his glory. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of repentance and turning to Christ, not to Darwin or E.T. or any other created thing or imagination of man. search for extraterrestrial intelligence organization that is now independently funded in California where they have the, um, uh, the there's a, a, a radio uh, astronomy telescope they use which is an array um, by the gentleman who passed away was part the co-founder of uh, Microsoft I forgot what his name was he owned the Seattle Seahawks uh, anyway the Allen the Allen telescope array and so the SETI is listening for radio signals from space um, on the hopes that uh, any kind of numerical sequence, like Carl Sagan believed if uh, in his novel Contact, for example, if we got a signal that was a series of prime numbers, that would be evidence of intelligence. Something as simple as that, Wayne, radio signals that are, uh, that are coding prime numbers, well, that must mean, that must be a sign of intelligence. But we have, as you just explained, something far more incredibly intricate and information rich than a string of prime numbers being pulsed through radio signals. We have this incredible network of interconnected information where each cell becomes an eye following instructions. It becomes a kneecap or a toe or an eyelash or an ear. I mean, this is information. And uh, Steve Meyer's book, Signature in the Cell, is is an excellent insight into this. But uh, we also have it, uh, I think uh, the psalmist, I think David, King David, when he was writing psalms, knew long before we had any microscopic um, electron microscope evidence before Francis Crick discovered uh, DNA with his friend Watson in Cambridge in 1953, 
um, that the psalmist David knew that uh, that his very being was knit together by God in his mother's womb and that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. That uh, I love the language in Psalm 139 that God, David confesses that God knit him together in his mother's womb. And what is DNA but a wonderful weaving of God's fingers creating us in, in our mother's womb. Um, something else too, Wayne, that I, when I was preparing for my interview with Jeff Zwierink, our last two episodes that we aired about uh, theories that try to get around the, the Big Bang, I was reading a book um, by a, a um, Old Testament historian who was looking at the narratives of other ancient gods and goddesses, you know, other cultures, gods, stories of cosmogony and cosmology, and and the various gods of the Babylonians and the Assyrians and all of this. And he pointed out something that fascinated me that I think is very applicable to modern secular explanations of the universe and physics or biology or whatever you want to apply. He said that in the ancient world, if you knew the name of a god, you basically knew its function. So that it, it it the sun god whatever its name was if you knew its name the name was basically describing what that god did okay well i was fascinated and then i'm thinking to myself now wait a minute in secular science if there is no ultimate god then everything a scientist now i'm not saying these things don't exist i'm saying that what we're ascribing to these things is godlike power so the electron, or the photon, or a quark, or an atom, or DNA, all of these things we ascribe godlike powers to. If there is no God, these things have to do it themselves. And I, I was reading a book, I was reading part of a book by Paul Davies as I was preparing for this, and Davies said that no one believes that God made snowflakes or that snowflakes were designed. And so what he said then was, snowflakes have a self-replicating or self-generating or self-creating structure. And I thought, now, wait a minute. Hold on. Snowflakes don't have selves. <laughs> they, what do you, you're bestowing this kind of causal power to nature. Well, he's, nature. he's uh, attributing to it something it doesn't really have because he's, it's not really replication what a snowflake does. It's it's a it's a function of the water molecules, the water's property. So it goes back to how atoms were made, and you can get down to the, the properties of hydrogen and oxygen and how that interacts between water molecules. That's it's not a so there's an order that's there because of what we know about the atom, Dan. But where did that order come from? It came from the God creating the atom. That's that's the point. And and you know, I, I may have mis I don't mean to misrepresent uh, Dr. Davies. Um I'd have to go back and look at the quote exactly. I don't think he may he may not have said replicating, but he said basically the snowflake does it itself. It makes itself. It it's the structure in other words yeah, I, I I I get what I get what he's saying. Yeah. Paul Davies is a very interesting writer, but he is. But he uh, is. but I I have a I have to pick a bone with him on this. It's not it's not that uh, 
we're denying physics by saying God created it. We're saying we're saying God made the physics work. Yes. And that's why the snowflake is like it is. Right, right. And why, so, it's like you, saying, why is the sky blue? Well, I can explain to you the physics, but yeah. it's why why is the physics the physics? It's because exactly. what, the way God made atoms. Right. So if you take God out of the equation, as many physicists do, including Dr. Davies, he's not a, he's not a theist. He's friend, he, his, his descriptions are theistic friendly. You, a lot of Christians quote him. Yeah. But in the end, he, he doesn't concede God at all. But but if you remove God, and my point with the ancient cosmologies and the ancient uh, mythologies of ancient gods is that they named things that caused things. So so all the gods caused the sunlight, gods caused moon, gods caused the stars, gods caused the trees, gods did this, that, and the other thing. But So with, in our modern world, without God, what you have left are the very physical things themselves that are doing these things themselves, that there is causal power in these things independent of any divine being. So they, they, it's, it's what the Bible says, that God upholds all things. It's Hebrews, I think. God upholds all things by the word of his power. And in Christ, all things hold together, that he holds all things together. things hold together, right. Yeah, he sustains and is constantly involved I think one of the problems with with Newton's idea of gravity uh, unintentionally created God who is a kind of a tinkerer who only shows up when there's a plan a problem with an orbit he comes in and he pushes something with his finger he intervenes. Well, but but I think the the biblical case is that God is continually sustaining everything. I don't yeah, know I, I don't quite think how that, he does that. Yeah, this is kind of a machine uh universe idea but right. Newton would have never thought that way. No, Newton, no, 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 Newton would have thought like you and I, Dan, much more. But but others who took Newton's work took right. it in the more mechanical way, right? Because right. there is a a sort of mechanical side to the universe that makes us able to predict and use it. We can calculate things, and we can make something. We can do that. Do something useful with that, right? We can we can make machines. We can build things. Um, but it brings you back to why does the order exist in the first place? Right, right. So the idea is that we have done exactly, I think, modern physics and biology has done exactly what Romans 1 says human beings do. We have worshipped the creation. And when it means worship, I don't mean to say that physicists and scientists or biologists are bowing down to matter or, or things. But what they are doing is ascribing attributes of God to the material world itself. Somehow we have to explain the material world as bringing itself into existence. Or we have to ascribe eternality to the physical world. So either the universe existed forever and is eternal or stuff brought itself into existence. Either way, whatever path you take, you are ascribing godlike powers to nature, I, and, I agree with this, Dan, and uh, it, it ends up being very complicated how scientists do this sometimes. But they end up really doing this in different ways. Yeah, they still attribute to the universe or to something. Sometimes it's kind of an ill-defined something. Yeah, uh, they but they attribute to something qualities that I think should be attributed to God. Right. We had a brilliant, very wonderful gentleman 
a brilliant MIT cosmologist, physicist um, on our Atheist and Christian book club, and I'd asked him um, if he thought the laws of the universe, you know, we talk about the laws, uh, the descriptions of like gravity and the strong force, the weak force, uh, nuclear fusion, these kinds of things, that the laws of the universe that we've discovered, uh, the mass of the electron or whatever, the the, the, the the gravitational constant or whatever law that you want to, to, to talk about. I asked him if he thought the law itself had causal power, the laws that had, had the ability to cause things to happen. And he said, yes, absolutely. And he didn't even blink an eyelash. He said, yes, of course. So, so therein is that example that, that I think the laws of physics that we've uncovered are just descriptive, but they don't have any power. I can write E equals MC squared on a chalkboard or a dry erase board, but that doesn't do anything. The law is inert. It has no power to do anything. What, but what a law is, I think, is just a description of what we observe. I agree. Not, yeah. not something that is actually causing anything to happen. It's like saying the number seven, you could fill your tank with the number seven, but your car wouldn't go anywhere. Well, I mean, what do you... We, yes, seven, and, and I would even go so far as to say our uh, descriptions that we call laws... Even though they've been well established by many observations and experiments, they are not perfect representations of No. They are only slivers of it, a slice of the pie, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how does this wane? Let's let's uh, as we're wrapping up here, um let's let's address the alien in the room. Um has anything that we've said what does this disprove? alien life what do you think um dis- well it depends what you mean by disprove <laughs> makes it entirely uh it gives it a better perspective or makes it more likely less likely what do you think it makes it less likely and, yeah. and now i'm i'm pretty negative on believing in life in outer space but mm-hmm. i would say you can't be very you can't be very um definite when it comes to microorganisms and uh that sort of thing like single cell life would be hard to disprove mm-hmm. but because of what we know about earth and the problem the difficulty the the intractability of the problem of the origin of life from chemicals i don't think that even a living one living cell would exist in some other planet. Now, a lot of scientists would disagree with me. They would say that for something like a microorganism, it could happen, but you may not get to intelligent life. And mm-hmm. uh, now, but I also had the Bible that affects my thinking, and. Um, there's a pretty good argument against intelligent life is if you think about Jesus, he represented us and died for our sins. He could not do that if he were not really human like us. And in the, in the old Testament term for kind of this idea is, um, is, uh, I'm forgetting it right now. It's a, uh, he has to be there has to be a family connection for for someone to represent us the way Jesus did he has to be human he has to have he can't be a fake human or a, a yeah an he has to have a, a real biological connection to real human beings 
to our species. To our species. And um, so Jesus dying for our sins here would not accomplish the same thing for another species and another world out in space. Like the Vulcans in Star Trek, if you think of that idea. Yeah. If Jesus was not a Vulcan, he wouldn't, so he would not pay for the sins of Vulcans. Right. And the, well, problem, the says, problem was saying that he would die. You, it's not practical to have him die for many different species on many planets because he had to die once for all. Well, let's just let's just put this in 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 a more colloquial, uh, hypothetical situation, Wayne. Let's say you woke up tomorrow and you got a on your news feed on the internet, you hear about some guy who says that uh, Jesus was really from outer space and created a bunch of beings on other worlds. And through Jesus, we can communicate with these other beings in these other worlds. Um, what are you going to start to think, like, right away? You're going to think, okay, that sounds kind of like a cult. Um, and, and if he starts, starts to make claims that Jesus is from outer space, or Jesus was an alien, or Jesus died for other alien races, or... Uh, Jesus went to other planets and died in other worlds and visited other races. Well, now you're starting to sound something like the Book of Mormon, where during the time that Jesus died, he went to the New World and proclaimed the gospel to the Lamanites and the Nephites in the New World. Um, you have these suddenly, these aberrant, I wouldn't call them Christian, but you know, these, these aberrant cult groups if you if if somebody came today and got on the internet and made a youtube video and then was making all these claims about jesus going to other planets instantly instantly when we have something in the scriptures to compare because scripture is very clear jesus died once and for all he died here on earth and very specifically on top of calvary outside of jerusalem in uh, 33 a.d uh, around about there um, this would be meaningless to any living species on any other planet, uh, absolutely meaningless. He's, he didn't take on the form of anything but, but human beings, and we are restricted to this planet, um, and God is, the scriptures are completely silent on uh, life in other universes. But this does bring us, Wayne, I do want to touch on this because I do want to refer people uh, once more. We'll have this link in the description notes below. Uh, Gary Bates, who we interviewed a couple summers ago on his book about UFOs and aliens, uh, Gary does discuss at length a very real phenomenon that people have. Uh, people laugh at these alien abduction theories, uh, say, well, these are just attention-seeking people or whatever. But if you if you really look at these cases and seriously listen to some of the people that really believe that they were abducted by aliens, they all have some uh, a commonality to them that Gary points out and no none of these abduction encounters are encounters with friendly aliens this isn't close encounters of the third kind or ET uh, this isn't uh, Avatar these aren't friendly Star Wars characters uh, the kind of alien encounters quote-unquote that people are having here uh, and Gary's conclusion is that these are demonic entities uh, the frightening nature by which people describe sleep paralysis um, alien voices, visitors, strange eyes, strange looks. 
it's very terrifying. Yes, and and, and then uh, a number of people who've had these experiment experiences and their traumatic experiences. Yes, they have been able to stop this by pr- basically praying to, and and calling on Jesus' name. That's when, right. Praying for praying to Jesus for That's help. That's right. And uh, they've been able to stop it. Now, why in the world would a space alien <laughs> be frightened away by the name of Jesus? Right. Tell me, tell me a reason for that from the whole evolution. Well, I was looking through a medieval book, a medieval history book uh, a while back, and I noticed there was a wood carving of uh, a person in their bed. And you know what medieval wood carvings look like, kind of rough sketches of things. There was a picture of a person on their bed with a demon standing on top of their chest. And it, the, the, little, the little drawing looked like, very similar to the kind of descriptions that people give of what these aliens look like. And, and this, this whole alien abduction thing is, and I, I believe, I'm, I, would, I would concede, and as you'll hear at the interview that I did with Gary a couple of years ago, I agree with Gary. I, the, these alien abduction stories, and Gary even witnessed what he thought was almost something like demon possession when he went to a UFO conference I think it was in Roswell, and he describes this singular moment uh, yes. where he wasn't didn't go all the way to say the guy was demon possessed, but his voice changed. He stood up. He had everybody's attention. Um, this 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 kind of aspect of aliens is very real, but they're not aliens. Um, I think Gary is spot on in his analysis. I think this sleep paralysis, visitation at night in the bedroom, the terror, the sheer terror, the frightening sense of of an evil presence. That is demonic. That is just utterly demonic. And I agree with Gary there. And I think, but as you said at the beginning, Wayne, that we as a culture, we are so accustomed to, it's weird just growing up with Star Wars myself and seeing this, how we've gone from, oh, that's just science fiction to, wait, now, wait a minute, man, this, this, maybe that's real. Maybe that we are so conditioned to think. Yes, we're very conditioned and, um, these, um, this book by Gary Bates is really, really very good. It's called Alien Intrusion, and there's a video with, with the same name, and I'd really recommend people get this book. It's This book has been a very uh, high seller on Amazon, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very successful book, and it's really – there's nothing like it. I, I, there's not very many – things i could recommend on the subject of ufo yeah yeah gary recommends on his website uh, i know gary has recommended to someone the mammoth encyclopedia of alien encounters and uh i've i've gotten it i can't wait to look at it but gary recommends this because it it shows uh, it, it 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 unveils a pattern in alien abduction stories it, it talks about um it's an encyclopedia so it's a range i'm not quite sure how it's a range but Gary's recommending this because I think you you begin to see patterns in these abduction stories. I read years ago, um, before I was a Christian, I read the book by science fiction writer Whitley Stryber called Communion. And my goodness, Wayne, that book scared the pants off of me. Because, yeah, I know Whitley Stryber's a science fiction writer, but what I was reading just struck me as absolutely real. Not aliens that were real, but not even as a Christian, I realized there was something creepy and real about what he was describing. And, uh, and when I was talking to Gary last summer, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what's going on. And I think there's a lot of people that are having these experiences that maybe they're embarrassed to talk about them. They don't want to talk about them. Um, but I think they're very real. And as you said, Wayne, the best way to combat these things 
is uh, calling out to Jesus, praying. Um, why would alien beings hate the name of Jesus? Um, it's a good question. Well, um, and uh, there's something else I'd like to add about why why not why we should not believe in intelligent life in space. And it, it goes back to Gary Bates' approach actually works better in explaining the experiences of people. But think about the fact that the Bible says that the universe is going to end. It says the stars will fall from the sky and the universe as we know it, the, the, the sky will roll up like a scroll and it's all going to end. Now, so when does it end? It ends when God's program on earth is done. So God fulfills what he has said he's going to do, like it says in the book of Revelation and also in the Old Testament. When he fulfills his word about everything that's supposed to happen, then the universe ends and he recreates and it creates a new universe and a new earth. Now, why, if there's, if we came about by evolution and there's all these planets with other life forms and living intelligent beings in other worlds, why would the end of the whole universe depend on Earth history? Mm. Why would the mm -hmm. whole universe end with Earth? Uh, mm -hmm. Because of events on Earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense. Jesus came to Earth. The, uni the end of the universe is tied to our world and, and human events right. on planet right. Earth. Jesus came to our world as a human being, uh, as, a, as a baby in his mother's womb, uh, was born, lived, and died just like all of us will, uh, and in every way identified as a human being as we are. This would make zero sense to any other kind of life form in any other world, in any other planet. And, and the minute you start so, postulating that there are other planets filled with people like us, to me, um, being a part of Watchman Fellowship, right away my cult radar is going to go off. Oh, yes. Jesus went to another planet to talk to other people? Mm, I'm going to say no. And and that's that I think, and this is key, and this is why I, I, I want to tie this back in with what I do at Watchman, Wayne. That, And then Gary says this too, that... The idea of aliens, extraterrestrials, and the, the kind of stuff that we've been talking about is an open door to the occult. Not just cults, but the occult, the demons and spiritualism and the, that whole road. There have been many, um, we, we talked last time about the Raelians when we were talking about the chariots of the gods, the Raelians and the uh, several other cults. Uh, there was the Heaven's Gate cult in San Diego in the 90s, I believe. Uh, they all committed suicide because they thought that they were going to catch a comet and ride into their heavenly abode. Um, so, so opening yourself up to to the belief in aliens um, leads to the occult and is an open door. And Gary says this in his book, that, that you can have an open door to the demonic realm that uh, paves the way for these night visitations where you feel like you're being abducted by aliens. Yes, and Dan, another very important point in Gary Bates' book is that he he makes a case for this, and this takes some time to go through the, in, in the book, but he makes a case that these 
demons, if that's what they are, they actually can use something like hypnosis to give you false memories. Mm -hmm. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of discussion in the book about the problem of false memories. Right, Um, right. And someone can be hypnotized into having a memory that's real to them, but it never happened. It was completely false. Yeah. This can be done, and it's something that even people who know about hypnosis can do this to somebody. Right. Um, It happens. So you can... We're really very um, fragile, Dan. We're very susceptible we are. to deception unless we're very careful. And how do we how do we keep on the right track in, in our thinking? We we need the, the direction from God's word to keep us on track. Right. If some, as Paul says, uh, if I or anyone else or an angel comes to you with a gospel any different. Let him be accursed. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because in some of these alien abduction stories uh, and cults, especially the mindset of a cult, and it may not necessarily directly be related to aliens, but a lot of cult mentality is you can be like God or you are a God. And this is this is the age old, the, the oldest trick in the demonic playbook is... Um, yeah, some of the can be some, like God. Some of the things that people and when they write about the accounts of encountering these aliens, it sounds similar to Genesis when when Satan uh, tempted Eve. You can you can have these great insights that no one else has, or you, we know the future and we can tell you about what's going to happen. And exactly, it's exactly. it's all um, playing on a selfish. Uh, desires that people have, and well, and it's the it's the same thing that the serpent said to Eve. He twists God's word. Did not God say? And I find it fascinating that some of these encounters have things to say about God. Um, now, I'm not saying Paul Davies has ever been visited by an alien or anything, or that he's you know leading an alien cult. I'm not saying Doctor Davies is anything like that. But he said in his book, I think it's either The Eerie Silence. Uh, he has a book on, you know, where are all the aliens called The Eerie Silence. I think it's in this book. It could be in another one. He has another one called The Goldilocks Zone, and I've been looking at both of those. So I forgive me if I get this wrong. But his idea is that if there are aliens, that this would be most significant for Christianity. It would call into question Christian theology as us being exclusively the interest of, of the creator. That, oh, look. New, new alien beings? Oh, God's not exclusively interested in, in humanity? Oh, look. So, and so Davies thinks that this would pose a problem for Christianity. But this is the exact same kind of challenge that the serpent brings to Eve. Did not God say? You know, he's challenging what God says. And that's going to be, I think, as we progress in, 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 the, in the times to come, Wayne, that we are going to have to be more and more reliant upon and trusting in and understanding clearly what the Bible says and what the true gospel is and what the true gospel is not. Um, because, as you say, we're so easily deceived and led astray, and people are looking for things, Wayne. We, I mean, look at the popularity of superhero movies and science fiction movies today. People like the new Avatar movies coming out or the Star Wars movies. The, the biggest box office hit movies are sci-fi superhero movies uh, with the hero aliens or the hero who goes into the heavens and... 
Battles of the Aliens, Independence Day, or or something like this. These are the these are the blockbuster films where where it's good versus evil, right? Every story has a good versus evil theme. Yeah, and then even goes to the point of the I don't you wouldn't have seen this probably I don't think Dan the movie called The Eternals. It's, I haven't. it's kind of interesting. It's you know, like godlike characters. That's it's kind of behind the whole Marvel superhero superheroes. I see. So they they I kind see. of take it farther and farther, and to a, a bigger and bigger level of super being, you might say. Gotcha. Is kind of what they're doing, and this is just a lot like the ancient um, uh, beliefs of the Greeks and and such. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But let's say let's say that we're wrong, Dan, about these. The the uh, alien encounters being demons, and let's say that we're wrong about uh, life coming about on other planets. All right, then I have a question: If these are aliens coming from other planets crossing space, why are why haven't we seen their spacecraft in space? Mm-hmm. The evidence, the things that happen on Earth that we debate like UFOs and these alien encounters, these I'm, I would say these are not actually connecting to anything in space. Mm-hmm. They don't. It's a good observation. Now, there are certain yeah. things that astronauts have seen even in near earth space, but I, that doesn't count because it's still near earth to me. UFO researchers will tell you that, um, Aliens are um, around us. They're kind of in the same place. They're kind of in, they they're often described as interdimensional, and that actually fits demons. But let's say that they really cross space. Now, Dan, today with te- modern technology, we can detect extremely faint objects in space. The way there are automated yeah. searches done all the time that right. auto, that run use computers to run uh, instruments that search the skies for faint objects like trans-Neptunian objects, small asteroids, comets. And this is how we discover new comets and trans-Neptune objects. We can detect objects going out to about 60 AU from... Uh, uh, from the sun. And, and we picked up, uh, didn't we pick up, uh, we did a whole episode on Oumuamua. Yes. Which was a... That's an, a good example. Yeah. Interstellar object that people thought, people were literally speculating about this being an, an interstellar craft. And to your point, if aliens were coming from other worlds and coming to our planets, we would have more Oumuamua-like sightings, yes. given our the sensitivity of our technology, we should be able to see these crafts in a in an intrinsic, uh, extrinsic, in a kind of uh, um, exotic orbit as Oumuamua was. That's what caught our attention. It came in deep, and it left at a trajectory that suggested it was not from around here. And that's why the uh, the whole. But but we should be to your point. We should be seeing if aliens were coming, you know, crossing the celestial realm of of galaxies coming from another galaxy we should be able to see or track uh these things um instead what we have are as the bible describes it in ephesians 6 principalities and powers of the air that inhabit the heavenly places 
And this is exactly what Scripture says, that the demonic realm inhabits some seat in the heavenly places. Now, they've been thrown down to earth, um, the rebellious angels, but to some degree they inhabit, they can inhabit, or they do inhabit. Um, The Bible isn't exactly explicitly clear about what the heavenly places are, but it seems that when he says the principalities and powers of the air— um, that are in the heavenly places, that, that that they do inhabit what we might call our general atmosphere up into space, perhaps what this means. We, we don't know for sure. But but yeah, it would seem like the, the activity is centered around our planet, not coming from outside of our planets. Yeah, and I, I, demons uh, would not have a problem going up into Earth orbit. <laughs> no, they can appear no. in different forms. They can they can appear in different forms. They can change direction in a supernatural way that it doesn't that's look right. like it. It would follow physics. They can change to a lights of different color. They can do whatever we might see. And the other the other advantage is Wayne. They've been observing human beings for as long as human beings have been around. Yes, yes. they uh, know what our weaknesses are, and but so does God. And God says, "Here's what you do." When you encounter these things, you don't have a dialogue with them. You you rebuke them. You wear the shield. You you take the word of God, the sword, the armor. You 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 shod yourself. Um, you guard the mind, the helmet of salvation. Um, knowing Christ and being known of Jesus is it's not going to be lasers or spacecraft or missiles or radar or super technology that's going to save us from an alien invasion, Wayne. It's going to be. Uh, a transformed heart and life whose mind is dedicated to the knowledge of the truth of the gospel in Christ Jesus. Yes, and Dan, uh, uh, Gary Bates' book tells about uh, some UFO researchers who actually decided to specifically look into the issue of Christians who had these alien um, encounter experiences. And um, apparently, and I don't know how exactly, it seems like these aliens or beings knew the difference between someone who was a real believer and someone who was just kind of acting like it. It, they could tell if it was if it was a real faith or not somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul says, Jesus says, I mean, look at look at how people in the scriptures were um like Jesus comes to Peter and says, "Peter, Satan has asked to sift you sift you like wheat." Uh, Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and Satan didn't leave him alone. He kept at him, you know. And Peter said, uh, "Lord, you know this will never be. You shouldn't." Jesus talked about his going to die, and Peter said, "Lord, this should never be." And, and Jesus rebukes him, "Get behind me, adversary! Get behind me, Satan! For you do, are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man." And then Job was tested by Satan. Um, it, Satan provoked David to take the census. Um, you know, the, the, so so the, the Bible, First Peter five eight, that uh, Satan prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and um, and so it's he's not going to leave you alone. I mean, whether it's through people or trial or tribulation, we're not saying that everything is. <laughs> we're not blaming the devil for everything, but we are uh, just reminding ourselves that there is this theology of the demonic, and the demonic is real. And we need to acknowledge that and acknowledge that we need Christ as our defense. And uh, I think it's James, uh, the book of James, uh, that says, uh, resist, submit to God, resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Now, as I read the scripture, that's not a one-time thing. If you encounter Satan or you feel like you're in the presence of evil, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Remember, Satan fled from Jesus, uh, but he came back, but he would flee. And Jesus would qu- quote scripture. And But but to me, if, if Satan will flee and come back to Jesus and flee and come back to Jesus and, and tempt Peter and, and, and harass Job and bother David and, uh, you know, all of these other things, and including Jesus himself, he's not going to leave us alone. And the demons, if, if we are marked as true believers, um, God exhorts us to, to be careful, to, to know that Satan is looking to devour people, and that we must wear the full armor of God. And um, as we get into darker and darker times um, before the Lord returns, it's going to be uh, paramount that we understand the truth of Scripture because that, uh, as to, to, to sort of colloquially quote Harry Potter, uh, Jesus is the best defense against the dark arts. It's not uh, learning magic spells or anything or waving a magic wand. It's confessing Jesus as Lord. And so for all of our listeners that uh, may be experiencing something in their bedrooms at night that uh, is a little scary or if you know somebody who is deeply troubled by what they think are alien encounters or if you know somebody that is on the peripheral of being fascinated by aliens and UFOs, um, share this podcast with them. And uh, we'll link our other alien episodes in the links below. A lot of what we said tonight kind of touches on on the other podcasts that we've done, Um, but we highly encourage you to check out Gary Bates' resources. Um, We kind of are like-minded in that regard about his conclusions. Yes, and uh, and Dan, uh, if they want to find that book or find out more about Gary Bates, read some of his articles, they can go to creation.com. That's where they uh, have Gary Bates' materials and that my website, creationanswers.net, has the answers blog, and there was an article I did reviewing G- Gary Bates' book once back in 2012. Uh, I called it The Alien Deception, but he his book is called Alien Intrusion, The in- Alien Intrusion. Well, Wayne, it's been another great episode. I hope it's been uh, encouraging for your listeners. Uh, Wayne, I've uh, enjoyed it. I hope we've given a lot of people... Uh, our friends uh, and our listeners a lot to think about and um, you know too take seriously yes. this idea of aliens and uh, gird your mind and your hearts with the truth of scripture and um, if ever you encounter the demonic uh, whether it's through aliens or whatever just uh, speak and pray the name of Jesus and that is your that is your best defense that's right so Wayne it's been good Dan it's been fascinating it's been wonderful and uh, I am so glad uh, we are going in our fifth year this year. It's really exciting. Fifth uh, year five. It'll be five years uh, this fall in September. And so uh, thank you all to our Good Heavens family for sticking around. Those of you that have been with us nearly since the beginning, uh, we thank you for your support and your continued patronage and listening to Good Heavens. And if there's any topic that you'd like us to talk about, um, email me uh, at psalm1968 at gmail.com and you can get a hold of Wayne or I through that email and we will uh, consider your requests Wayne uh, we are also uh, we need to get out there and do some uh, do some speaking you and I just do a a live podcast with your church or something Uh, we would love to uh, if time permits we would love to and our schedule permits we would love to come and speak with your small group or church or men's group Sure, that yeah, would be to fine. talk about yeah. uh, any topic related to, to cosmology and Christianity. 
And of course, uh, shameless plug here, Wayne, you and I, our book, The Story of the Cosmos, How the Heavens Declare the Glory of God. Check that out. A wonderful uh, group of essays on the cosmos and Christianity, if I don't say so myself. Uh, You have a chapter. I have a chapter. And uh, I made the index, too. So that counts as a chapter, I think. You just go through the index. and That was hard work. But uh, anyway, it's been a great podcast. And we will see you next time right here on Good Heavens. Good Heavens. This is Good Heavens, a podcast exploring the wonders of God's heavenly creation. For more information on apologetics, cults, world religions, and our sister podcast, Apologetics Profile, visit watchman.org. For Watchman Fellowship, I'm Anna-Marie Smiths.